everything that's been deposited in you and I, he begins to surface in our time of prayer. And so as I was praying, I was seeking the Lord. He just brought this to my mind, and I believe with all my heart, this is for you and me today. Amen? But we're going to open up, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. Would you just agree with me in prayer? Stretch your hand this way. And, and pray over your pastor this morning that God would use me and minister and say the things that he wants to say. Father, today I come before you and I am your servant. I am your vessel today, Lord. I am human. I am frail. But I am your creation, Lord. And you've put your spirit in me, upon me, God. In my mind, in my heart, in my emotions, in my will. You have filled me, Lord, from head to toe. And God, I want to be your instrument today, Lord. And I I pray that you will speak to this congregation and that you will anoint me, God. Anoint me with fresh oil, Father God. Give me strength. Let my mind be sharp, God. And speak to this congregation what you want them to hear. God, let the words come from my mouth. And Lord, be communicating, God, in a spiritual means and spiritual sense, God, today. And Lord, prepare the hearts, the mind, the eyes, the ears, the senses to receive today the word of God. And we'll give you all all the glory because you alone are worthy Lord and we thank you today oh we praise you Lord we praise you have thine own way Lord today have thine own way and minister your word today and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus name we ask and thank you and everyone in the church said praise God praise God now we're going to read in Acts chapter 8 starting with verse 26 and uh, this scripture that I'm reading is, uh, is about Philip going down to, uh, down to the desert area south. And he's meeting up with the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Bible says in verse 26, it says, And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and he went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot and he read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And, uh, and Philip ran thither, the Bible says to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand thou what you're reading. And he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same, uh, same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And uh, as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If you believe, if thou believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ 
is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip was found at uh, Azotus, and passing through he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now I want to preach this morning a message, and I want you to preach with me, amen? I'm free this morning. I don't have a microphone in my hand. I got my hands, they're free. You just never know what's going to happen. I got two hands to hurl the word at you this morning. Amen? And so praise God. But I want to preach to you a thought, uh, of, uh, and I've entitled this message today, Removing the Hindrances. Removing the Hindrances. And I want to preach this this morning. Now, if you, will, if you study the Word of God, and in the context of this Scripture, most would begin with Philip and work their way down to the Ethiopian eunuch. But the Spirit of God spoke to me last night. He said, I want you to start with the eunuch first and then get to Philip. And uh, so I feel the leading of the Lord to start in that fashion. In verse 27, the Bible says, that uh, as Philip went down there, the Bible says, Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning from the place of worshiping in Jerusalem. When you read that word, behold, I want you to know something this morning, that when the Holy Spirit has recorded in the Word of God that God said, behold, what he's saying is that there is deep interest at what's before me. When the Apostle Paul was blind, knocked off of his, his horse or knocked to the ground and the Bible says that he was uh, at Simon the Tanner's house and he, he began to go uh, at the, uh, he told Ananias God did, he said go to the street called Straight and he said there you're going to find Saul of Tarsus, he said behold he's praying, he was a bad man, he was a persecutor of the church but now he's praying now he's crying out to God when God says behold it means he's taking great interest. There's something that he sees in somebody's life. Amen. He's beholding something. So when the Holy Spirit says that, it means deep interest from God. He was interested in the soul of this Ethiopian eunuch. Amen. He's interested in you this morning. That's why you're here. You have been brought here not by your own will, not by your own desire, but God has brought you here. God God has brought you to a place. There may have been circumstances in your life that led you here, but God's the one that brought you and I here this morning. But he's interested in the soul of man. He was, you know, if you read about this Ethiopian eunuch, he was a man of great authority under the queen of, of, of Ethiopia. He had charge of her treasury. He was an important man. Why am I saying this? Because God wants us all to know that salvation and Jesus is not just for the poor and the beggarly. It's not just for the homeless. It's not just for people that are down and out and drug addicts and alcoholics. It's for people that don't think they need God too. We all need Jesus. I can tell you Bill Gates needs Jesus. Elon Musk needs Jesus. Joe Biden needs Jesus. 
And I can think of a few others too. But we all need Jesus, whether you're a billionaire or a trillionaire. We all need Jesus, but a lot of times people, and especially, you know, those that are prominent or those that think they've got the world by the tail. You, you, you know, they, they, they think they don't need God, but we all need Jesus. And so here is a very wealthy man. Here is a very prominent man. He's a man that sits under the king as a, as a very important figure. And here he is in Jerusalem worshiping God. That is so awesome. God said, I see somebody that is that that, that could, could say within themselves, I don't need God, but he realizes he needs God. Why did he realize that? I can tell you why was a Gentile, what was a Gentile doing in Jerusalem, worshiping the God of the Jews? What was he doing there? No doubt he was attending a feast in Jerusalem during the time probably of Pentecost, but he had some knowledge knowledge of Jehovah God. He, there's historic records that speak that uh, and that state that King Solomon, David's son in the Old Testament, had a son with the queen of Sheba. Now you say the Bible may not say that, but, but uh, historical records and legends say that he had a son with this queen of Sheba. And hundreds of years before this eunuch ever went to Jerusalem, think about how many hundreds of years prior, probably five, six hundred years before this Ethiopian eunuch ever went to Jerusalem, how did he know to worship the God of the Jews? Because I believe that Solomon's son, King Menelik, preserved the Jewish religion in Ethiopia, and thus why this Ethiopian eunuch was in Jerusalem. He was searching. He was seeking. What do we learn about this? That God never operates in afterthought. He never operates in afterthought. You being here is not an afterthought. Your life is not an afterthought. You mean something to God. He's not willing that any would perish, but that we all come to repentance this morning. So he works putting things in motion behind the scenes in order for our salvation. He was already moving and operating behind the scenes. First of all, historically, to bring this Ethiopian eunuch to a place to know Jesus. He's already working behind the scenes when the Ethiopian eunuch never even knew Philip was coming down to cross paths with him. God never does things in an afterthought. Never, never, never. He works putting things in motion behind the scenes in order to accomplish salvation in our life. The Ethiopian had some knowledge of the Bible, but not about the main ingredient, which is Jesus Christ. People can say, I I believe in God. Okay, I can tell you. Jesus said, you believe in God. John 14. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I'm the son of God. You know, there's a lot of people that say, I believe in a higher power. I say, that higher power has a name. His name is Jesus. But he was searching. He was seeking. And I just come to tell you this morning, my brothers and my sisters, keep on searching and keep on seeking because you're going to arrive at Jesus sooner or later. 
you're going to come to the place where grace and mercy cross paths. Oh my God, my God. It's when the Ethiopian eunuch's up in that chariot and he's going, I don't understand what I'm reading. And God said, I've got somebody to come and interpret the way, the truth, and the life to you, my brother. And mercy and grace cross paths. It was when the hurt and the healer begins to collide that God begins to bring the answer. Amen. God is working to connect you and I with God this morning. Don't look at it and say, I'm just doing this just because. No, God is crossing my path with him. He's connecting me because he loves me this morning. He loves me and he wants to change my life. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. Oh, hallelujah. So listen, church, today. Keep on seeking. Keep on searching. Because your search will become a discovery. Preach with me here now. Don't make the first service one-up you. Pastor, we're not in competition. I know that. Hallelujah. I want you to note something. The preordained, predestined plan of God. The eunuch is searching. And Philip is in Samaria, a hundred miles away. Think about it. He's a hundred miles away. He's in the middle of a revival. If you read that, you know. I mean, God was, God was saving, he was filling, he was delivering, he was exposing. Because there was an old rotten sorcerer there and he got exposed. Amen. When the Holy Ghost is really moving, he will save, he will heal, he will deliver, and he'll expose that which is false too. And he began to expose that. But here he is in this revival. Philip, a hundred miles from an Ethiopian eunuch. And the Holy Spirit tells him, leave that revival and go down south to a desert place. He didn't give him any more specifics but that. He said, just go. I think that is so awesome. It shows that God is working behind the scenes. And he's going to bring about a discovery in your life and my life. But it was a preordained, predestined will. And he's in the middle of the revival. As hard as it is to imagine a very high up prominent man seeking God. Because many feel like they don't need God. We already said that. But it's an even greater miracle that Philip left the move of God. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm going to tell you. Any of these teachers in here will tell you whenever we, whether we have a revival or we have a retreat or we have a meeting, we have a special speaker, whether it's Lee or it's Daryl or it's Talbert or it's Jared or whoever it may be, they don't want to be teaching on that Sunday. Come on now, be truthful. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You said, I want to be in the house of God. I want to be in the presence of God. I hope you say that when I'm preaching too. Amen. But they say, I don't want to be out. I don't want to, but I know that that's a ministry that I have to give myself to. You know, let me just share with you today that God wants to revive us, but he doesn't want us to sit and be stingy and covetous about our own spiritual blessing. He wants us to get up and take the life and the revival and take it somewhere else and give it to somebody else. Oh, my God. 
So he tells him, he says, go on down there south. The angel told him to go to a desert area, no specifics other than go south, no instruction or detail of what he would do. Can you imagine that? So he goes and he sees this eunuch in a chariot and the Holy Spirit said, join yourself to that chariot. I'm going to tell you we're living in a day where there's a lot of people that are not going to be the most desirable to want to be around in the world. But you got to join yourself to them for a moment so that you can share with them about Jesus. Almighty God, they may smell, they may be homeless, they may be alcoholics, they may be drug addicts, they may be somebody that nobody wants to be around, they may be somebody that their family has kicked them to the curb and they don't want to have any more, they have no more time for them, but God will send somebody with fresh life and grace and a revival in their heart to come and be a blessing and minister unto them. He said, join yourself to his chariot. You mean that Gentile? Yeah, that Gentile. You mean somebody that doesn't even believe in the God of the Jews? You don't know what they believe. You don't know what God's been doing in their life. I've heard people say they'll never, they'll never get saved. Don't never say never. Amen. God breaks over the never. Amen. He breaks through the never. It'll never happen. They'll never come back to church. They'll never receive Christ. Don't never say never. Because there's people in here that said I would never, never go and give my life to Jesus. And they're sitting here today in the house of God. So don't ever say never, because God bulldozes over never. He knows how to, oh my God in heaven, he knows how to touch your heart. The Bible says that when our heart is condemned within us, he's greater than our heart. He's greater than that hard heart. He can take and soften that heart. He can begin to touch you in your mind and your heart and your spirit and your will and change you. Amen. Don't ever say never. Don't never say God can never do it. We're all people that thought, people thought we would never be changed. God could never forgive me. God could never do anything with me. Oh, some of you are sitting here today, the world wrote off. Your family wrote off. You were a trophy on the devil's bookshelf. But God said, he's mine. They belong to me. Amen. They're a changed person. Amen. They're a changed person. Sitting here looking at Danny. Amen. And he shared his own testimony, you know. But one time he, he did a little time. Amen. Just a little bit. And there was somebody in that place where he was at and ministered to him at that point and, and, and spoke life into him. And he's here today because of a man that went to church at Living Waters that went, I believe it was Jeremy, wasn't it? Amen. Jeremy went in there and he's serving God and he's rubbing elbows and joining chariots with somebody that's there. And he told him, go over there and connect yourself with Danny. Amen. Connect yourself with Danny. Tell him about the Lord Jesus. Danny stands here today worshiping God set free by the power of God, set free from drugs, set free, amen, serving God, loves the Lord, loves his family, loves his church, loves God, loves the ministry, amen, because God has done something, because somebody said they have value, they're worth going and connecting to, because how else are you going to minister to them if you don't? Oh, there's hope. Don't never say never. 
Don't never say never. <laughs> Almighty God. So the angel tells him, go, consider this. The whole time God is crossing their paths. Think about it. I love it. To think about how God is working behind the scenes. Some of you thought God would never move in a situation. And you're watching him move now. You thought it'll never happen. God will never change her. God will never change him. God will never move in my child's life. Yes, he's moving. He's moving powerfully. Amen. He's moving powerfully. Glory to God. It's suddenly, in a moment's time, God can change everything. Everything. But think about it. The whole time he's there reading that book. He's reading the Bible. He's reading the scriptures. And here's old Philip. And God told him, go down there. 100 miles. It wasn't an overnight trip. It wasn't getting your car and drive to Palm Springs or Moreno Valley or wherever, 100 miles. It was probably a donkey or walking. Let's just say hypothetically he was able to walk 25 miles a day or more, probably more. But he made his walk down there, and it probably took him at least four or five days. But he connected with him, and God's timing was perfect. Think about it. How God is working when we don't even realize he's working. Think about it. I want you to think about this. Bless me. I shared it with the church today. I said when Abraham was going up Mount Moriah and he was getting ready to, to sacrifice Isaac, his son, you know, the Lord told him, go and take that promised son and walk up that mountain. And, you know, they're walking up the side of that mountain. And I can tell you it was a long walk. It was a, it was a, 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 a gut-wrenching walk. It was a hurting, troubling walk. You know, he was grieving. He's crying. He's weeping because he knows. God's asking him to give his only son, the promised son of, of, of what well, wasn't his only son, but it was, it was the promised son. It was the promised son, which was Isaac. And here he's going, I waited a hundred years, and God birthed this boy through my wife and I, Sarah and Abraham. Here they are, a hundred years old, and he's birthing this baby. It was a promise, amen, a promise from God that he would do it. But he's walking up that mountain to get ready to sacrifice that boy and what he didn't know is on the other side of that mountain there's a ram making its way up that mountain hallelujah and he said that ram's walking up the side of that mountain as Abraham's walking up and God said whenever he brought that hand down and the angel of the Lord stopped him and he said I don't want you to kill him I just wanted to see if you would sacrifice him and now I know what you do and Isaac said father there's the altar there's the fire, there's the wood, but where's the sacrifice? God always makes the sacrifice. And over there in the thicket was a ram, amen, with thorns around his brow. And just like Jesus, amen, who, was, who had a crown of thorns upon his head, that ram is caught in that thorn bush. It's all pointing to Jesus. When we're watching, we're wondering, God, where are you at? He said, I'm here. You just don't see me. I'm here. You just don't see me. And he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Your provider. 
I can tell you it's more than your rent and your car payment and your job and making sure you got food on your table or, you know, a credit card money so you can buy a little food. Amen. It's more than that. Your provider is Jesus, your very sacrifice that he gave for your life and my life. That is what Jehovah Jireh is. We've made it everything else, and he will provide. But he said, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. I'm concerned about your heart and your salvation. Oh, my God. It was Abraham Lincoln that said, a preacher ought to preach like he's fighting bees. So don't look at me square now. Because I'm going to tell you something. You may not believe it, but I believe it. And I know you believe it. That's why you're here. I wouldn't give you a nickel for a preacher that couldn't convince me and preach to me and persuade me. Go sit down, yo deadhead. Amen. Give us some life here with an anointing, with passion. My God, people have said, you know, it's a little much for me, but man, you're passionate. I said, let me tell you something. Jesus picked me up, picked me up off of a trash heap. He turned this preacher around. I wasn't a preacher. I was a worthless human being. I was lost and undone without God. I was bound by perversion, bound by lust, bound by all kinds of, bound by sin. But Jesus came and saved me, and he did something so powerful in my life. Church, I can't but just preach the gospel. Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Amen. The love of God constrains me. Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, let me get back up here. Thank you, Jesus. He brought Philip... You know, because God's working everything for our spiritual good. He brought old Philip to expound, and the eunuch had desire to know every hindrance was removed. Some in here, you believe in God, you need to believe also in Jesus, and you need to surrender your life. Believe in God. And maybe have had, you may have had curiosity in your life for God but you never took it any further. Well, God's told me to say to you today, and it's of the Holy Ghost. God is speaking to me and speaking a word to you today. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What doth hinder you from surrendering your life to Jesus? What does hinder you from giving everything unto the Lord? What stands in your way? Is it a relationship is it, a, is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it a relationship? I sat in a room one time with a couple and a man. He was having an affair on, a, on his wife with somebody in South America. And I sat there across that desk and I saw him. And I, you know, he was saying things with his mouth that his heart didn't agree with. And the Lord's saying to some of us today, we need to quit rending our garment and we need to rend our heart. We need to rip that heart open and say, God, you can have all 
of my heart, not just a part of it, but you can have all of it. But I sat there in that room and I looked at that man across the desk and God gave me a discernment and he said he's not interested in his relationship being restored. He said his heart, a part of that heart a woman has down in South America, I want you to know he's not with his wife today. They're divorced. They're split up. But God could have healed it if he would have just surrendered his heart to God. He said, and I'm saying to you, thus saith the Lord, what does hinder you? What stands in your way of true repentance? What stands in your way? It's like the rich young ruler. I've been a good boy since I was a youngster. Honored mom and dad, told the truth, made sacrifices. I, I mean, I've done all these things. And Jesus said, you know what? You have. That makes us all feel good, man. But he said, you lack one thing. What? Yeah. Give it to me. I've already given it all. Tell me what I lack. He said, go sell everything you got and give it to the poor. What? And God tells you there's this one thing I put my finger on. Get rid of it. I'm going to tell you I've been there in prayer where God said, put my finger on this. You know, this person, you know, you, you thought you didn't have anything towards anybody. But, mm. He said, right here, this person. Oh, I thought that was Barry. I thought that was Barry. He said, every time their name comes up in conversation, you got something negative to say. And you're, you're, so, you're so good at it. That you, you, you make it graceful. You know, we say things like, and I've done it more times than I care to confess, and you have too. But we say, well, you know, I love them. I, I love them. You know, I, I, you know, I love them. But. He put his finger on my heart. Put his finger on things. What does hinder you that you don't just sell out? I heard a man on, I don't know if it was at YouTube or one of the social media outlets, it doesn't matter. But he said, he was a secular guy, and he said, I, I'll, you know, I'll believe God. If he'll, show, if he'll show himself to me when I see him. And the Christian man across the, the chair, had to have been the Holy Ghost. He said, when you, you say you want to see God and you'll only believe him when you see him. He said, when God makes that come to pass and that happens, you may not want it to be that way. Because the way you may see him may be as an unsaved person. Because you may die and you're standing before God and he says, now you see me, but you never believed me. You never surrendered to me. 
So you're wanting to see God, but you, you better make sure that you're right with God to, and your heart's right and you've been born again. Because if you're not born again, you don't want to see God. Because he's not going to be your savior anymore once you take your last breath. There is no purgatory. People say, I believe in purgatory. Well, you, you, there is no purgatory. Jesus, the, the word of God says that where that tree falls, when it, what it is when it falls, what, where it lies, that's what it is. That's it. There ain't no candles you can burn or pray somebody out of purgatory. If they didn't accept him on this side of eternity, there's no hope after they take their last breath. That's why we have to know Jesus now. Oh, listen. All hindrances for Philip and the eunuch were removed, or for the eunuch. God is speaking to you today. And his word is to you, what are you waiting for? What's hindering you? What's holding you back? And the eunuch wanted answers about who Isaiah 53 is and what he's talking about. Is he talking about himself or is he talking about another? Oh, it's so wonderful because the word of God tells us about Jesus, our Savior. And Isaiah 53 was, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have went astray, but the Lord laid our iniquity on our Savior, and he bore that on Calvary's cross. That's why we have salvation. And folks, I don't think there is ever a greater example of what God, or God at work to respond to a seeking heart like he did this Ethiopian eunuch in chapter 8. I don't think there's a greater illustration of God working behind the scenes and connecting the dots and seeing great salvation come. Philip expounded uh, chapter 53 of Isaiah, and, and it's all about Christ, his passion, his crucifixion, and why God did it. He said it, it pleased the Lord to bruise him so that he could justify you and I, so that he could bring us to a place of righteousness and forgive us. It pleased God to do that. That's why hell is so final. Because if you don't accept the Savior and the sacrifice when God gave everything, when the Holy Spirit is his last effort for you, what is there left? You chose. People are not in hell because God put them there. They're in hell because they chose to be there. Don't choose that. Choose life. Choose Christ. Choose blessing. Oh, I'm keeping it real this morning. I'm keeping it real this morning. Because I don't want to stand before God and somebody say, that preacher didn't tell me the truth. All he did was preach cotton candy stuff to me. He sugared down everything and spoke cotton candy to me. And I never got anything I didn't know. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to stand before God for anybody. Blood, well, I don't want blood to drip from my hands. Men's blood. Because I didn't tell them. It was Brother Clendenin that said he had a dream. And he said, in that dream, he said there was a man going through fire. It was just fire, flames of fire. And he'd go and he'd pick somebody up by the hair and he'd just scream at him, cuss at him, and throw him back down in the fire. He'd go and he'd pick somebody up and he'd scream at him. And he said, Lord, what is that? And the Lord told him. He said, that's a man in hell looking for the preacher that lied to him. 
My God, listen. How do I know that he told him of Jesus? Because the eunuch understood the need for baptism. He said, what does hinder me to be baptized? What does hinder me? What does hinder me to move forward with salvation? Verse 37 is the secret. Philip said, if thou believest, or believe, with all thine heart. That's the key right there. We give God 98%, and he wants it all. And don't tell me that there isn't a power that comes when you surrender all of your heart. Because when you surrender all of your heart and you really, truly repent, that's when the power of God is activated. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I've seen it happen in my own life. There have been times I've got down and I thoroughly repented thoroughly repented with tears and weeping and an open heart, a surrendered heart. Not a partial surrender, but my open, my heart. And he took the hardness of that heart out and put a heart of flesh in. And the power of God was activated. It was released. It was, it was just activated in my life. When I said, Lord, I surrender everything unto you. See, we don't, sing, we don't tell lies in the Christian church. We sing them. Oh, I surrender all except for my bitterness and unforgiveness. I surrender all except for my jealousy. I surrender all, but I gossip a little bit. I surrender all, but I can't give up my lustful desires. I won't, not I can't, I won't. I surrender all, but Lord, stay away from my wallet. We don't tell lies, we sing them with hands in the air. I'm going to tell you something. Holy worship is what God receives in spirit and in truth. So be truthful when you worship God. And when you begin to truly open that heart and surrender that heart, God empowers and employs and activates faith and grace and the power of the Spirit of God to do what you could not do on your own. When Samson told Delilah all of his heart was when he was done. He sealed the deal there. He he didn't give her everything until that last time. And he said, all right. I'm going to give you everything because he loved her. He wanted her. He was lusting after her. He, okay, but he said, if you cut my hair, I've made a Nazarite vow for my child. And my parents said, my power will be gone. It wasn't the hair as much as it was the faithful commitment and consecration unto God. And when he told her all of his heart, what you see in the spiritual, you see duplicated in the evil or natural. He was gone. He know he was gone. His eyes got plucked out. He was destroyed. Whenever we begin to surrender all of our heart, we give it all to God. He empowers 
and he brings healing. There are people sitting in here today, especially couples that came in and their marriages were in a toilet. But they sit here today because the Spirit of God came and he arrested their heart. He began to change them. And if I could pass the mic, one of these days we're going to have a a testimony service, and you're going to hear about the testimonies, how God healed and mended marriages. Because you have to give your whole heart to God. You have to say old things have passed away. All things have become new. Amen. All things have become new. You said it on your testimony. On, on, on Facebook, you said it in that testimony that Teresa did. You know, we have to give God everything. Amen. Everything. He's so faithful. The Ethiopian eunuch found that and the hindrance was moved out of the way. And he said, nothing hinders me to be baptized. What must I do? And he said in the word of God, if you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. People can say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Well, that means that you have to believe that he's God, that you believe that he came to die for your sin and you're a sinner and you need salvation. And that means that if you believe that, you have to repent. And I'd rather you sit and say, you know what, I'm not ready to do that than to say I don't believe and just act like it's not true because it is true. He is true. But the secret to salvation, you must believe with all your heart. Not your mind, not your intellect, not a mental assent, but believe with all your heart. God must touch your heart and change it. And confession of Jesus and surrender of yourself, he removes the hard heart and he puts in a heart of flesh. You're hard because your heart is hard. That's why we speak hard, harsh things. Because out of the mouth comes words that were in the heart. The heart speaks. People say, oh, you know, it just, it just came out. I didn't really mean it. No, it was there. It was there. It was there. You know, when I was younger, Sister Skiles and I, when we were younger and married, there's a lot of things that I said. But over the years, our love has grown, and I learned how to love because I didn't know how to love. But I learned how to love. And you know, you know, whenever you get older and the devil will bring those thoughts, and you're like, you know what, I better think before I speak. Because once those words cross my mouth, they're like a spear and a sword and a knife. They cut. People say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Hurt. Words kill. Sometimes you'd just rather be slapped in the face than somebody say the things that they've said to you. Amen. I'm just saying this because I want you to understand how words have a lasting long-reaching effect on us until God breaks that. But I read, they had a psychology, I read everything, you know, not everything, but I read a lot of things and, and just, you know, I just, I'm intrigued by things. And, but I was reading about how that there are things that happen in our childhood that carry over and they affect our, our, our behaviors as adults. And one of the things that, that I could stand there and say, yep, yeah, that's me, you know, 
my whole life, my family, they were all that big around. Brothers and sisters, everybody was trim as a racehorse except for fatty. Me. I was called chubby. I was called Big John. I was called Biggin. I was called Hoss. I was called everything. Yeah, it's all right. I'm over it. You can laugh now. <laughs> but my whole life, they said somebody that has dealt with that, they're always concerned about their weight. I thought, Lord, that's me all the time. I'm always on the scale looking down. I could lose a few pounds. People say, you look terrific. You look trim. And I said, no, I'm fat. Because that's what was put in me as a kid. Those words never escaped me because it wasn't just one time. It was a barrage my whole adolescent and, you know. And you don't realize the words. They get embedded. And it's, as we preached a few weeks ago, scars. But thank God. The nail-scarred hands bring healing. Amen. And I, I've just accepted that I am who I am. I look how I look. Amen. I'll try my best. But you know what? I like fried taters. I like ice cream. I like all those things in moderation. And you know what? It's all right. I'm just going to enjoy my life. I heard that if you eat that stuff, you can take six months off your life. I'll take six months off my life so that I can enjoy it the rest of my life. <laughs> if that's all it's going to add, then bring on all of the goodies. Amen. Praise God. You say, oh, pastor, I'm moving on here. Hindrances. I'm closing. Let God's agent of the Holy Spirit into your chariot. Some people need to open that door and let God in. Let him in. God's talking to some folks today. He's talking to you. Let Jesus in. Let him in. My question to you is, how is everything working for you the way you've been doing it? How's all that going for you? Not good. As the song says, why don't you try Jesus? Man, why don't you try Jesus? And you don't try Jesus, you actually come to Jesus. And once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you don't ever want anything but Jesus. Don't be like King Agrippa who said, Paul, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian Give your life to Jesus. Because Jesus must be Lord of our life and Lord over all, or He's not Lord at all. And I just want to say this before I get up on that piano and start playing and singing. Worship team, would you come? Make yourself ready. Say, well, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I hear you. And God's dealing with me and He's pulling on me. You know, um, 
He meets you right where you're at. He meets you. The very scripture today tells you he meets you right where you're at. And all of your lack of knowledge and all of your lack of understanding, but what little bit you've got, begin to respond to the Lord and exercise that faith. Step out of your seat. Come down to that altar. Or come down here and stand. We've got our altar workers, Santo and Delia. They're our altar workers today. They will pray with you. They will lead you in the sinner's prayer or in a prayer to come to Christ, which is the sinner's prayer. If you will surrender your life to him, he will minister to you. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor? I got something else out of this message. Praise the Lord. Whatever God's talking to you, respond in that altar. Let him minister to you. Father, today I thank you for your will, your word, your Holy Spirit. Lord, you're such a beautiful, beautiful God. You're such a good, good father. You're such a good, good father. And I thank you today. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your spirit. And I'm just seeking you today, Lord, that you would draw by your spirit and you would minister to people in this house.